Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen, Alex King, and Tom Wells here on this Friday, November the 16th, 2018. It is 8 a.m. New York time. That's 5 a.m. Los Angeles time. It's 1 p.m. London time. And if you're in Sydney, Australia, it's 12 noon. So have a good lunch. And we hope that you'll spend your lunch hour listening to us as uh, we engage and involve ourselves in exploring the inner depths and reaches of the law of attraction and how it applies in our daily lives. And in the process of doing that, we hope that you get your daily dose of happy because that's why we're doing this, so we can all feel better and get into that good feeling place where all the good um, manifestations happen on a daily basis. So, Tom, Alex, how are you guys doing? Tom, we haven't talked in a week, but, uh, you know, is your, has your week been going well? I hope it has been. Yeah, it's been going good. Constantly unfolding this uh, dream and drama that is my life. <laughs> dream and drama, okay. <laughs> I love dream it. And drama. <laughs> yeah, well it is. It's like I'm dreaming it and I'm and I'm in the drama of it and I'm enjoying it and yeah. All right, good. good. And Alex yeah, and I talked you. a couple days ago, three days ago. So anything new in the last yeah. three days, Alex? Uh no, nothing new. Other than the snow, of course. I mean here in New England we Other got hit with a bunch snow of snow. Last yeah. night and the wind keeping me up last night. The wind kept you up, oh my goodness. Yeah, it was quite windy on the Cape. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. I mean, you're right there on the waters, especially in Hyannis. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. How much did you get? We got about just under eight inches, I think. Oh, we only got like one to two. Oh, huh, that's nothing. Yeah. It, it's all going to be rained away today anyway. I got to go dig mm. out the cars after we're done with the podcast. So, yeah. Oh. <laughs> An inch or two? <laughs> nothing. Exactly. <laughs> I just don't like the cold. I don't know why I live in New England. <laughs> I've often wondered about that myself. <laughs> I mean, it was the one good thing about when we lived in Virginia. We lived there for about 11 years, and you get much more temperate yeah. winters. Although, I have to admit, the last few years, even in northern Virginia, have been brutal. So I'm not sure I really yeah. lost anything, you know? That's um, what my sister says. She's like, it's it's terrible out there. I might as well have <laughs> stayed in Boston. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, that's where it actually does make sense to, you know, be a snowbird and go south to Florida or, you know, Southern California or whatever, just to get away from the snow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, my brother's in Miami, and he's like, he's always making fun of us on the group chat to talk about, oh, what's the temperature today? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, my, my brother's in Melbourne. <laughs> The, the, the only difference yeah. between my brother and, and yours is that uh, my brother just doesn't say anything at all. But other than that. <laughs> <laughs> so today we are going family. to, oh, family, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it doesn't even require any description, just family. You're done right there. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about another good topic that Tom came up with. Uh, are you mainly in your mind or in your body, which is actually pretty important uh, because so often we are working in the physical world, which means more often than not, we're in our bodies and we're working from our body perspective, so to speak. And our, even our minds are focused on what's going on externally, you know, what's going on outside of us and, and how can we interact with it and how's it affecting us and, you know, what can we blame that's going on out there and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. We don't spend as much time internally as we could and... That's actually part of what we're learning to do as deliberate creators. We're trying to spend a little more time inside, focusing on what we want and taking our attention away from the things that we don't want. Um, and I want to read Tom's description because uh, it, it's a fairly in-depth 
this description, and plus it includes also a thought that Alex included, included as well. So, topic, are you mainly in your mind or in your body? What's the difference? How do they work together? Being in our minds often seems to mean that we are thinking our way to where we want to get to, setting goals by comparing what is to some events remembered in the past or anticipated events in the future. We all know that thought and intention is very powerful. How does your thinking mind affect your concerns about your past traumas, and how does it being in your feeling body address your past trauma? Now, by contrast, the body is always in the present moment. It is always in what is. It is the repository of our feelings, of our direct experience, or current vibration. And since our current feelings or vibration is determining what's coming next and next and next in our lives, since like vibration attracts like vibration, it seems important that we be in the moment able to listen and respond to our emotional guidance coming from our body's innate wisdom. So, oh, and then there's a few final questions. How much do you feel a connection to what your body is telling you? Are your feelings and body sensations moment by moment guiding you as much as your thinking mind? And what is your heart and your gut feeling telling you? Might becoming more in touch with the feeling centers of the body be key to the expansion of our consciousness and thus to our self-love, self-acceptance, and the fulfillment of our aspirations? Well, that's what we're going to try and answer today. And, and we're going to try to do it within an hour, which is going to be record-breaking. <laughs> <But laughs> <laughs> we're going to see how far we can go with it. So, Tom, I'm going to go to you first because this is the topic you came up with, and it's a good one. Um, I presume that there's, as usual, there's something going on in your own life that, that's uh, you know, the kind of the driving force behind it. But this is a topic that affects everybody, and, and it affects them in ways they don't even notice on a daily basis. I mean, we, we kind of forget that there's this internal dialogue that needs to go on in order to make the external stuff happen, don't we? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. You know, that's a, that's a good question about uh, internal dialogues. I think I think one thing that got me to ask the question is that, you know, so many people have said to me in my life over the last, I don't know how many years, maybe 10, 20 years, they said, God, you're so in your mind, Tom. And, I, you know, <laughs> I, I sometimes thought I am really. Uh, well, I guess I do think a lot about about what's going on and, and about what's happening in my life. And, and of course, that's a big part of what drove me to law of attraction, because law of attraction uses the mind so much to think our way into a better feeling story, a better feeling situation. You know, like if you're not, if you're not noticing what your mind's telling you, your mind might just be on automatic running the tapes you've had since you were a little kid and, and you feel limited by your Mm -hmm. thoughts. You know, you're constantly telling yourself all these beliefs that give you this sense of reality or you're watching the news or you're listening to your friends who have a limited perspective on what's possible and you're acting from that. Um, This question to me is a huge question because it's saying, is there a way to be in an innate wisdom of the body? And lately, a lot of research on the leading edge of biology is proving that the amount of nerve endings that the heart has and that the human gut has are comparable. Actually, the heart, they say, has 100 times more nerve endings than the brain. And that mm. and that from everything they can tell now from experiments being done, double-blind studies, that it, it appears that the heart is sending more messages to the brain than the brain is sending to the heart. And wow. so they're saying the heart is actually the center of consciousness. And therefore, and now they're finding this to be true of the gut. 
you know, pe- so many people have these gut problems, and there's always that old saying, what's your gut telling you, you know? <laughs> Are you following your intuition, you know? Right. And now they're finding it's it's actually true. The gut is actually a, you could say it's a thinking organism, just like the heart is. But it's not thinking in this sense of all this I am thinking. It's more, and it's more of an intuitive thinking. It's more of an intrinsic knowing. And it's almost like, you know, you, you watch your dog or your cat, and, and, and we love being with our dog or our cat or whatever pet we have because they have such a wonderful sense of intuition. And they seem to just do things just automatically, and they're not very complicated. They seem to be happy. They seem to just flow in general. And we love being around them because we get that wonderful vibration when we're around them. And what I'm thinking is that this is actually how we are, too, but because we've gotten so disconnected by being in our heads so much that we actually have forgotten how to let our bodies lead the way. We think that the head has to lead the way. And we don't, we don't believe that there's an innate wisdom that the body will automatically unfold the life that we want. But it reminds me of this stuff that Abraham says, let source lead the way that you've already put everything into your vortex that you need for many, many, many lifetimes. The question is, are you letting yourself flow with it, letting it flow to you? But I think the reason we don't let it flow is because we think too much about it. I think that it actually, our lives would flow a whole lot more if we could just surrender to the fact that life has an innate wisdom and our bodies are connected to that. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a lot mouthful there. So let you guys jump in. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's good. And, and actually, uh, when we were bringing up this topic originally, um, Alex was was simultaneously coming up with a very related topic about past traumas and and how they affect us. And clearly, the whole question of past traumas is directly involved in the question of well, is it going on in the head? Is it going on in the body? Where is it all happening? Mm-hmm. And and uh, past mm-hmm. trauma is traumatic because we keep replaying it. And we can replay it either way. We can play it in the in the mind, or we can play it in the body. We could do, or we could do both. It could actually work out both ways. So, Alex, I got to ask you, since you you brought up that part of the topic, what what is it about past traumas that you think is, is most the the most interesting and the most vital part of your own personal exploration and and perhaps the exploration that other people need to do in their lives? I I mean I think it's it guides us to what we do as adults, like is, is past traumas, like in our childhoods and and stuff like that. Like, uh, for instance, I had issues with, uh, trusting men to do what they say because of what my father did or didn't do when I was a kid. So, you know what I mean? It's past traumas like that. So it's like, it, it affects us in the, in the long term, And, and it's definitely, you're in your mind. You got to You got to go with your gut. But yeah, it's 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 difficult. Note to self: always do what I say when I'm dealing with Alex. Okay, got it. <laughs> do what you say and say what you mean. That's what I always say. <laughs> That's true. It's valid. But in, in the in in the interim, like I also respond in a different way. So it's like so I didn't turn out like that. I make sure that I mean what I say and I say what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so, that's true. And, you know, past traumas can be positive or negative. 
That's an interesting point. We often think of a past trauma as being something that's dragging us down, but it can also be mm-hmm. a kind of a point of struggle that we use to break through and, and kind of, you know, use right. a, a platform to jump into the next realm, so to speak. So, mm-hmm. I mean, have you have you personally been able to experience that? Have you found that your own uh, sense of past traumas has provided a springboard for you? Um, hmm, that's a that's a difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would say yes and no, because there's some past traumas that are deep embedded that I don't, I'm not even aware of. Mm. So there's, there's things about me that I'm like, okay, I don't know why I'm like that, but (laughs) it's gotta be something that happened. But at the same time, like I was saying, you know, um, I'm a very honest person and I'm a very trustworthy and loyal person. And that's because of things in my past that I want to avoid. So that's why I make a conscious effort to, to you know, be who I am. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's an ongoing issue, isn't it, Tom? Dealing with, you know, which ones are the ones that we've unearthed, which, one, which ones are the ones we have not unearthed, and as we unearth them, how do we deal with them? Mm. Yeah, the nice thing about it is that as we unearth them, we can process them by simply accepting that, you know, what I'm learning, what I'm doing in my life right now is I'm for the first time in my entire life, um, I've been guided to start to listen to all of my feelings and not and just all day long. I'm, I'm kind of trying to notice, am I repressing or otherwise trying to avoid some feeling that's there? And because I'm finding that if I want to trust the innate wisdom of my body and I believe that my emotional guidance system is a guidance system, and it will guide me towards the life that I want to be living, then, you know, that's sort of just trusting that life is ultimately a benevolent and benign experience, that it's not, life is not designed to screw us over, you know, but instead it's designed to work. Then I can start to notice what I'm feeling, and my guidance system is giving me a feeling of sadness or a feeling of grief or a feeling of anger, I want to I want to let myself sit with it instead of just immediately saying, "Oh, that there's anger, I've got to get beyond that," or "Oh, there's sadness, I got to get beyond that immediately." Instead, mm-hmm. I want to I want to feel it because that's the past trauma, you know, mm-hmm. and it's trying to have a voice. And so, but there's a way to be with it where we don't have to get totally swept away in this river of misery, you know. We can actually just it's sort of like being in meditation, you close your eyes, and you feel the feeling, and instead of of just acting it out, you just just witness it. You notice, oh, I'm there's a there's a really uncomfortable feeling to me right now. I'm gonna notice it, and I'm gonna own it. I'm gonna take responsibility that it somehow is coming from my past. Somehow it's in me, and and now I'm going to feel it and just watch it and see what it does. And we can begin to sort of just feel it like energy in our bodies instead of this in- horrible sadness or this intense rage, it can we can start to notice it eventually as this is just a feeling that's inside me, and I'm going to let it guide me to wherever it wants to take me. Mm-hmm. And so to, just to not be afraid of it and always running into using our mind to make our lives better constantly. Um, there's a There's an innate wisdom in the body that when we let it be there, we begin to get a new sense of who we are. We aren't any longer this person in our mind who has to struggle really hard to make our life what it is. We're a person whose body innately tells us, 
our body is more who we are than we think. It actually, you know, I've even heard people say your body is literally your subconscious. And if you're not listening to what your body's telling you, you're not listening to what your subconscious is telling you. So those past traumas, they're not getting listened to. Those, you know, if you had a little kid that was traumatized when it was four years old by, by your mother yelling at you or something, that little kid is not getting heard if you're not listening to the feelings that are in that body. Mm-hmm. I was just realizing, really, I, 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 I'll, I'll let you get started there. I just, I just wanted to kind of let everybody know what they're about to hear. I'd forgotten to turn on the video recording so that I could record this video to you know place in, in YouTube and so forth. So I'm going to turn that on now. You're going to hear a weird announcement that says... <laughs> recording has started. There it is. So <laughs> I thought we forgot a voice. I knew I forgot one. Like, oh, geez. So, okay. So go ahead with what you were saying, Tom. I'm sorry I had to interrupt you, but I, just, I need to get the recorder going and I need well, to make it make sense. Really cool <laughs> There's a real cool, cool story that I think I've told before on a past podcast, so you might remember it, Walt. But um, it's a great, to me, example of the difference between being in your head or being in your heart. There is a guy who lived in a Amazon tribe in deep in the Amazon rainforest, and slowly their tribe had been getting exposed to, you know, Western culture to the to the modern world, you know, and he was one of the first. I guess, you know, to learn Spanish and then to eventually get out of the rainforest and was went away and went to a college somewhere, went to a university. And so, that, you know, he was going to be able to come back and help the people of his village deal with the modern world. So uh, he was gone for four years and he came back and um, he went out on the usual walk that his family and friends took every day where they walked up the river and they have this wonderful place where they would sit and eat and hang out and, you know, the butterflies and all this beauty in the middle, deep in the middle of the rainforest. And he found after he was sitting there with them for a while that he couldn't relate to what the heck they were doing. He mm. couldn't relate to what they were experiencing. But in his in his memory, he sort of could remember, he, he definitely could remember that this he used to experience something incredible here. It used to be this beautiful, beautiful, powerful, wonderful merging experience of him with with the with the rainforest and with his family and friends, and he couldn't feel it any longer. And he attributed that to the Western conditioning of being so head-centered, so mind-centered, that you have to do to go away and go to the university and learn all these things. And yet we wonder why our world is today so um, messed up in so many ways. And I think it's because we've gotten so far away from listening to our head and our heart. I mean, listening to our heart and our gut, Mm -hmm. our heart and our gut, you know. And um, because there is this innate wisdom in us just like there is in animals. And it really knows how to live in this world in a really harmonious way and to live with each other in a really harmonious way. I'm not saying it's perfect or anything, but I bet I bet it is. I think I think there's a possibility for us to be a whole lot happier, a whole lot simpler and a whole lot more connected to life if we would begin to give our bodies as much listening as we do to our thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. and and begin to turn our thoughts off. I mean, that's what meditation is all about. And it's it's the single biggest thing that I ever hear Abraham talk about anymore you know that in every time that Esther 
you know, channels Abraham, it seems like she talks about meditation at some point and the value of it. And what is meditation? It's getting to the point where our thoughts slow way the heck down. And what happens when your thoughts slow way the heck down? I've been meditating for 45 years. Well, what happens is you start to feel really, really good. <laughs> Something comes up from inside and you naturally don't feel stress because you're no longer having this fight going on with your head, you know, which is mm-hmm. always looking at things with duality. And, and it's trying so hard. And I'll just tell you one other thing. I worked with a shaman from New Mexico for four years, and he, he was a Native American Pueblo Indian, plus he was a shaman in Guatemala for 15 years because when he was a hippie, he went down to Guatemala, and they grabbed him and made him a shaman. <laughs> you know, after he, and, well, he, he, trained, he trained with this, this 70-, 80-year-old man in this village that was high in the mountains in, in um, Guatemala, around this beautiful lake, and um, he became the shaman there. But anyway, he said that, um, how was I going to put this? Man, my, it just went right out of my head. Uh, it happens sometimes. <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll come back. It'll come back. Well, while you're trying to um, remember what the shaman said, let me get Alex's take on something, because, uh, Alex, you were, you were nodding, and you are saying yes, 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 a lot of the times here, particularly when mm-hmm. he was talking about the mind-body connection, and I think you were referring in your own mind to what goes on when we're dealing with traumas, although you were also responding to the story that he told. What were you thinking about? Tell us what you were thinking about. <laughs> I was actually thinking about how, um, on a on a sort of a different mindset, but on the same on the same topic, how I listen I listen to my body more than most people uh-huh. because um, situations happen. Like I get sick a lot for some reason, and I always end up in the hospital. And before I get to the hospital, I already know what's wrong. And I'm always telling my, I'm always telling my nurses, I'm like, listen, I think I have this. And they're like, all right. Some people think I'm a hypochondriac, but by the time I get to the hospital, the doctor's like, yeah, you were right. And then I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Cause I'm in tune with my body. I would, I trust my gut and I know what's, I know what's going on. Well, what raises the question, what are you going to the hospital for? If you've already got to figure it out, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> well, they got to fix it. Oh, they got to fix it. Oh, I see. <laughs> I thought that's what you were hiring them for. I need the medicine. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) So I remembered what the shaman said. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, okay. so strange. Well, you know, it's one of these things that that it's not something that I I can wrap my mind around that well, the fact that he said this, but I'm going to bring it out here just because he based his entire teaching on this. He is the first genius, genius that I ever met in my life. This man was truly a genius. And he studied uh, the cultures of the world all over the world in in massive, massive way, almost like a super anthropologist kind of a person. And um, he said that every culture that has the verb to be in it um, is related to, to the concept of empire, the concept of um, conquest of other people. And uh, that the cultures that don't have the verb to be in them are the more indigenous cultures. And he, he, he attributes the verb to be, you know, I am, you are, he is, she is, to the cause of the unrest that we see in our world today. That it's the concept that I am that causes all of the 
all of the problems that we experience. And um, that could be talked about, of course, for many shows, <laughs> because <laughs> I, I was in this class for four years with him, I mean, twice a year for 12 days each time, but I could never really wrap my head around what he was saying. But what he was saying was like in a Guatemalan village, indigenous village, there wasn't that there's the cat. It's like when the cat walked through, they, it was something more like that. That animal has catness. And it, there's a way of understanding life where we're no longer in the, in the thought of I am, and he is and she is and they were and they will be. There's just this isness going on. There is what is is what's happening. And there isn't this planning, thinking, constantly constructing reality function going on. It's, it's more of an experience of life. And, and people, it's like when the guy went out into the rainforest with all the people from his village and he, he had lost that sense of what they were experiencing there, uh, you know, sitting along the river. And it was because he had gotten so much into this I am mind that he was, he was just locked in his mind. So I'm just throwing that out there. I don't have this answer to all this. <laughs> I just think that it's a fascinating question to be asking, you know, um, why has, why have we created the world we have? And I think we've been driven way too much by the mind and not enough by the heart and the gut and the body, but we don't listen to them enough. So I'm now becoming an advocate of, of listening more to the body mm-hmm. and I, seeing what the heart has to, has to tell me. I agree with uh, listening to the heart and, and the gut and the inside. I, I, I think that's important to do. Um, I don't quite go as far as the shaman did to say that I am is the cause of, of all human problems because, on the other hand, and this is your words you were using, but you know, if, if we're describing what is as what is, is is a being verb. <laughs> it is a verb of beingness. You know, so yeah. you kind of are tripping over your own logic, not you personally, but 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 one is tripping on over well, one's yeah, logic I, when, we, when one goes down that path. Um, so yeah. I, I think he may be a little bit misled on that. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with, with I am, and I don't think I am necessarily means empire. I can see where he might draw that conclusion, but I don't think it's, it, it's a direct correlation. But regardless yeah. of that part, the more important thing, I think, is if we go inside more, if we go into the heart more and recognize the connectedness, because I think you're absolutely right. I love the medical research you cited about the, the, the connections and, and, and the, you know, all of, all of the, the ways that the heart basically is sending more signals than the brain is and so on and so forth. Um, that to me shows that we need to have a more continuous and more uh, well-connected understanding of ourselves and mm-hmm. communication within ourselves in order to make the kinds of changes we want to make in our own life. Um, I, one of the things I like about Abraham Hicks is that they make, they make it a very clear point that life is not broken. We are not broken. The, the planet Earth is not broken. Um, and, and I think it's a really vital point because so often we start from the viewpoint that says, you know, everything's failing, everything's falling apart. And it really isn't. I mean, if, if you really stand back and take like, you know, the objective view from outer space and look at what's going on at Earth, it's not falling apart. It's just as beautiful of a planet as it ever was. It's a gorgeous place and it's got all kinds of cool stuff going on. It's full of contrast, but that's one of the reasons we came here. So... Um, rather than getting wrapped up in that part of it, which I think a lot of people do, including our shaman friend there, 
rather than getting wrapped up in all the different ways that the that the world is failing, I think we're actually better off focusing on the ways that, that we're succeeding, on the ways that our life is getting better and mm-hmm. our lives are getting better in many, many different ways. Now, the, the tool, the big tool that we're talking about here is that mind-body connection and the internal connection. And when we can master that tool, we improve our lives by leaps and bounds. And mastering that tool, I think, means getting ourselves into the happier place, what we call here the, your daily dose of happy. When we get to that happier place on a regular basis, then life gets better. And it, it will get better in different ways for different people. Everybody's got their own lives to live. Everybody's got their own priorities, their own dreams, their own desires. They're not necessarily the same as what their neighbors are. But it doesn't matter. That's part of the beauty of living in a world of contrast. So I, yes. I, I'd suggest we need to kind of reshift the way we're starting the conversation. Instead of saying all these things aren't working out well, how about saying what is working well? Because there's an awful lot that's working well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I definitely agree that uh, that that's that's the thing that we've been missing is realizing there's a I watched a special last night with Greg Braden um, on Gaia Television and he was talking about how now science has proved that human emotions um, produce effects which defy conventional laws of physics. And they've done experiments which prove that emotions like love and appreciation literally change the DNA within us. Um, when you're in a when you're in a feeling like anger or or sadness or fear, emotions like that cause the DNA to go into these tight little little circles, I guess, these tight little coils, mm-hmm. and they, they sort of constricts the DNA. But when you're in emotions like love and appreciation and happiness and clarity, the 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 DNA then begins to. They said it. They call it. It, it begins to express its full potential. So the, it's pretty amazing to think that science has gotten to the point where it's literally conducting experiments to prove the value of human emotion. But it's like everything in Abraham. Law of Attraction language says that emotions have to lead the way. Feelings, feelings do come first. You can think yourself into a better feeling state, but that's where the vibration comes from that's going to cause the change to take place. Like if you if you want your body to be healthier, it's it's going to come from a good feeling emotion being in your body. But sometimes you got to think yourself into a better feeling place mm-hmm. too. You know, mm-hmm. So I'm feeling that the two things just have to go work so hand in hand, you know, and but but what Alex asked about trauma. You can't you can't also deny the those bad feelings, you know, those things right. we call negative feelings, you know, they have to be embraced in love. And then and then we begin to see these changes take place that we want to see take place in our life. Right, otherwise, you're pushing them down, and then you're and then you're vibrating bad stuff because you're holding on to all that negative energy. Mm-hmm. We've all all had lots of experience doing that. We're 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 masters at that part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're really good at that. Unfortunately, that's human nature. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, it's also what we've learned is what we've been taught, and we've we've become right. very very good at it. You know, part of mm-hmm. what what we deliberate creator types are trying to do is we're 
kind of trying to unlearn that and learn new skill sets that service better. Um, right. That's really the, the main goal. Um, you mentioned how that it is a big part of what we're trying to do. We're trying to get deep down into what it is that's, that's really going on inside my words, not your words. Um, can you think of any examples, either one of you, uh, from your own lives where you, you went deep, um, maybe something bubbled up to the surface that caused you to go deep, you went deep, you found something, and it led to an illumination of some kind. It led to some kind of a breakthrough that really made a difference. Because I think that when we look at the experiences of our lives that way, that's when we begin to get a feel for how the process can replay itself over and over again and get us into a better and better place every time that happens so that we don't have to be afraid of these negative feelings. We can actually embrace them and figure out how to, uh, to you know, find the positive side and turn them into our favor instead of being afraid of them or trying to push them down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have a story, Alex? I do. Um, recently, well, yesterday, actually, I was, a, I was in therapy. And we were talking about um, uh, we were talking about past traumas, which is why I brought up the subject. And we figured out that part of the reason why uh, why I have agoraphobia today is because of part of my mind wants to protect, you know, the the fear that I have for for certain things. So part of that comes from when I was a kid, we went to the circus and I was definitely afraid of clowns and balloons. So I was like, no, no, I don't like it. And my mother was like, no, we're going home. So I have that instilled in me. If I don't like it, I'm going home. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's, that's part of where the agoraphobia comes, comes from. That's, that's what's bubbling to the surface now that I'm thinking of it. Interesting too. Clowns. So, so, so when you don't like things out in the world, you have this feeling. Go go home. home. Yeah. yeah. And once you're home, then everything's fine. Yeah, I'm in my safe space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I have mm-hmm. some of that, too, because I definitely spend a lot of time in my space, you know, and I'm always happy when I'm in my space. Right. Um, <laughs> it can be up in the mountains somewhere, but but I definitely – I was just recounting the other day how many hours I spend in my in my house – working on things, you know, and it's huge amount of hours, you know, and mm-hmm. th- theoretically I could have other aspects going on around in the world, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I have a story um, about that. Exactly what you were asking is because I, you know, and I probably told this story on another podcast, but I, I've been in this relationship on and off for the last year. And at a certain point, you know, and I, I kept going through, you know, leaving this woman and then sort of we'd get back together and I'd just kind of leave her again. And, and it never felt like the really the right relationship for me. And finally, I was um, I was up in the mountains one day sitting along this beautiful creek. And I had this realization that I had to really let go of this relationship because it just there was just too many things about it that weren't working. Yet it had so many beautiful aspects that when I thought about leaving the beautiful things about the relationship, I, I literally experienced a broken heart. And this mm-hmm. was, I could say to myself, this is the first time in my life I really know now what a broken heart is. You know, mm. I said, this is what it feels like. I never felt that before. And I always was jealous of people that got to have a broken heart. <laughs> of course, oh, there, really? there are a lot of people well, who would say, what's wrong with him? I thought, well, I thought, I thought, oh, at least they can feel, you know, I mean, a oh, lot of, yeah. a okay. lot of white, 
white male uh, white males can't feel. That's why you have Congress. You know, that's why you have you know, <laughs> the, the president. You know, the, the way the way this world is is because of, of white males being so out of touch with feelings. You know, they they're it. really into their minds. And then, really, I swear to God, it's true. And so I was able to feel this this heartbreak, but. After a while, I said, this is horrible. You know, I, I can't stand this. This feels so bad, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm going to be leaving this beautiful aspects of this woman that I love so much, the qualities that we share. But I have to because I can't reconcile the things that don't work. So I right. went home, and I'm driving home with this horrible heartache. And I thought, God, this is intense. You know, how do people deal mm-hmm. with heart, heartache? And I got home, and I'm, I'm laying on the couch. And um, the heartbreak is just getting off the charts. It's horrible. And so finally I said this thing that has happened to me before in my life when things get so bad that I don't know what to do. I said, look, I give it to you. So I gave it to my higher power. You know, whatever, whoever you are, whoever it is that's this force that makes life what it is, I just give up. I, I can't stand this. You take it over. And 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 once I did that, I actually did some tapping, you know, that, that EFT yeah. t- tapping. Mm-hmm. And and it changed so dramatically that – and I wasn't going to go see my girlfriend that day because I was just so torn apart. But after I gave it up and I did some tapping, I called her up and we decided we'd get together. And I went over and spent the evening with her, and it was one of the most beautiful evenings we'd ever spent. And I, I had let go of so much of my angst about that relationship that I could experience her on a completely different level. I could, I could experience, and she said to me, she says, God, what happened to you? And I said, well, I decided to give up our relationship, and it broke my heart so much that now I'm really happy. You know, it was like, <laughs> it was like I changed. And, yeah. And so that's what happens when we when we feel deep, deeply, you know, mm-hmm. and we go through the feeling instead of, you know, I could have isolated and just said, no, you know, I'm just or I don't know. I'm just so grateful that I had that breakthrough, you know, because it happened on a body level. It was like I literally changed from the inside out. It wasn't I didn't use my head to do it. So well, yeah, I, pretty, I, I guess white men can feel then. That's pretty cool. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I'm, I'm trying to be I'm trying to lead the way. I'm, I'm trying to be an example <laughs> of, a, of a guy, a white guy who actually feels something. But, no, there's plenty of men who feel, you know, white guys that feel a lot. Um, but uh, I think it is one of the biggest problems in the world today. Uh, so, is it, so does this mean we can expect you to be out uh, of our feelings? Does this mean huh? we can expect to see you ca- campaigning for Congress in 2020? Now that you know you, you, you've had the breakthrough, <laughs> so now you're going to ha- reintroduce uh, yeah. feeling white men into Congress. <laughs> I'm starting a new party. It's called the the, the Heart Party. The Heart Party. There you go. <laughs> it's going to be people who come more from the heart and less from the head. There you go. Yeah, they, they they have more caring. They have more caring about about others and others' feelings than they do about getting their way and getting a bunch of money. And not that money's bad, but sometimes, sometimes the one pointed focus of the, uh, of that American male focus of just, I 
you got to get my stuff. You know, the guy that has the most toys wins, you know. <laughs> right, <laughs> who dies, right. The guy who dies with the most money is the, is the guy who wins. And that's a very powerful thing in our culture is the belief in, in um, having things. And very stupid because you can't take it with you. You can't, but boy, we we sure think it it matters a lot, you know. Right. It's, it's our sense of self worth is tied mm-hmm. up in how much we actually have, and how yeah. much is in the bank, and how much we die with, and how much money we leave to other people. And there's a lot of good in that, but there's also just a lot of um, stress. <laughs> it seems like you know, a lot least. of striving and a lot of stepping on other people. To make sure you have what you want, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's very cool. The, the The funny thing is that we have um, that strong tendency that goes on, right? Of what, what you're calling the the, the non feeling white male, which I think is a is a very <laughs> funny stereotype. I, I'm not sure if it's if it's true, but it certainly has enough truth that it, it sounds like a good stereotype anyway. But <laughs> it's just another stereotype. Sure. It's just another stereotype. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it, it is kind of funny how often that happens, and and I've I've kind of felt for a long time. I mean, there were there have been many times throughout my life where I wasn't really in good connection inside. I, I had blocked a lot of it, but there's also been a lot of time where I have been in connection, and I, I, I always kind of resisted the idea of of men being disconnected from their feelings. I would read it in a book or something like that, and I'd say, "What are you talking about? I'm feeling stuff all the time." But mm-hmm. what I realized over time is, and I think this is really true for anyone, not just men, not just white, anybody, um, we all have periods of time where we disconnect or seemingly disconnect. We have, we never actually mm-hmm. disconnect. It's really impossible to disconnect. But we kind of block it off. We just say, I'm not going to look at that part. And there are other times where you know, we were going with the flow, we're loving it and so forth. And, and those who seemingly disconnect more often will tend to have problems with it more often those who seemingly disconnect less often will have problems less often. It's just, you know, there, there, there's like a continuity there that I think applies throughout the human race. And it, it shows up in a lot of different ways. Um, I would even suggest that it shows up among the indigenous peoples of the world, not in the ways that it does in the West, but in other ways. I mean, I, I, that's part of the human experience of, of being in the contrast, as we call it. Dealing with stuff that goes on in life that we don't like. When you when you deal with stuff that you don't like, show me one person who is always able to stay open and positive about, and I'll show you a person that I've never heard of before. <laughs> I mean, that's just not the way people are. People, you know, people make mistakes. They try. They practice. They lose. They win. You know, it, it. That's why we're spending so much time in this contrast. That's why we love being mm-hmm. here so much because we're doing so much growing. We're doing so much experiencing. And, you know, the better we get at it, the better we get at it. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think there's anybody accepted. I mean, maybe there is. Maybe there are people out there who just totally live always in the positive and they're never brought down by anything that's going on. But I'd like to meet mm-hmm. them. I mean, I, I've even seen the Dalai Lama, and he's a pretty darn positive guy. You know, the, you, yeah. you watch any of his videos, he's very, very positive. And yet you can also tell there are certain little things that rub him the wrong way. And he doesn't mm-hmm. spend a lot of time on them. But you can tell they're there. Well, that means that there's going to be certain degrees of disconnection. Is that bad? No, that's part of being human. <laughs> it just means that, you know, that's where that's stuff that he's working on. And that's good for him, you know. That's right. the way I see it anyway. Mm-hmm. So. I just know I love I love being around um, simple people. Um, you know, like I, I've had a goal for a long time to want to go to hang out, say, in 
a village in Ecuador or mm. a village in Colombia or so, somewhere, you know, like a, a little place in Mexico maybe where where people live closer to the land, they're they're closer to um they're closer to family, maybe they're closer to um to dance, maybe they're closer to music, maybe they're closer to growing food, um maybe they're closer to being out in in nature more um just that there's a certain simplicity that i i guess coming from such a uh, complicated culture as we live in in the united states i, I there's part of me that longs for uh, the simplicity of living closer to to the earth at least you know and closer to, to family and friends um just that whole idea like i lived i lived in ashrams around the country for 10 years you know in it was in major cities but it was always with a group of of between five and and thirty other people living in the same facility, the same house. Uh, sometimes a great big house. Obviously, <laughs> if it was thirty people, they were pretty big houses. But um, but there's something so beautiful about just being um, connected to family and friends in a in a really constant, organic way. You're interacting with people a lot. I just like I just like that simplicity. You know, and mm-hmm. I was thinking so, about I was thinking about the phrase that uh, uh, you were talking about, Alex. You, you mentioned your, your agoraphobia and how what you realized in your breakthrough was that you when you when you were experiencing that what you were really experiencing was the desire to be home, the desire to go home, mm-hmm. the safety of home, the security of home. Home is where you, where right. you would feel good, and. I, I I like to turn things around when I hear a phrase expressed in the negative. And agoraphobia mm-hmm. to me is a phrase that's expressed in the negative. I'm afraid of the marketplace, right? And so I'm asking myself mm-hmm. and I don't know ancient Greek enough to answer this question, but I'm asking myself, what's <laughs> what's the reverse phrase that means I love being at home? There's gotta be a Greek phrase from that from ancient Greek, mm-hmm. you know, that means I love being at home. Because that's a much more positive way of saying it than saying, yeah. I just, I'm so fearful of being out in public spaces, you know? Mm-hmm. And when we look at it more positively, I think that's where we make that connection again. That's what you were trying to do in yeah. therapy. You were trying to reconnect. You were trying to, you know, right. piece together the part that, that you were kind of blocking off and so forth. Well, I'm sure that's a big part of what you and your therapist are working on is focusing on the stuff that you love about being at home and, and getting into that vibration, so to speak. Well, why don't we make that the condition? <laughs> why, is it, why does it have to be a negative condition? Why can't it be a positive condition? That's what I, that's the thought that occurs. Well, that's why I just say I just tell people I'm a homebody. You're a homebody. Well, th- yeah, that's the American version. I like that one. You know, <laughs> yeah. It may not be ancient Greek, but that's okay. It's good. It's got good etymology. Yeah. You know. <laughs> now, there's also a secondary question that goes along with this in my mind, and this is one that uh, Joel and El- Elston and I talk about a lot. Joel, in fact, will post on his Facebook timeline a lot of memes that that say something to, to the effect of, "Look for when you're in your comfort zone, and then crawl out of it." And what he means is mm. you don't do your growing until you get out of the comfort zone. So yep. not only is there a great positive in being in the comfort zone, but there's also the positive of crawling out of it. And that's another thing I don't have a good phrase for, a good a good word, you know, something as powerful mm-hmm. as agoraphobia, but expressed more positively. But right, that, right. I, and that's got to be part of what you're doing therapeutically, too, because you're, you're trying to bring yourself yeah. home so you can be more censored, censored and more grounded. But you're also trying to find a way to make yourself go out so that you're feeling good about mm-hmm. it. So that it's a positive experience yeah. for you. 
I mean, that, that's that's exactly. got to be a key portion of what you're doing, right? Yes, that's exactly what we're doing. It's called exposure therapy. Exposure therapy. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I take it it's working. Uh, <laughs> it's it. There's some days. There's some days where it's working, and then yeah. and then I revert. I take. I feel like I take one step forward, two steps back. Mm-hmm. But um, that happens. Yeah. It's there. See, the way I look at it is, where were you before? Before you were taking no steps forward. Right. So one step forward is an improvement. (laughs) Right, exactly. You stick with it long enough, you get two steps forward and only one step back, and all of a sudden you're making progress. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so it's one step at a time. But that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of, of, of digging in to what's going on inside. And mm-hmm. I, I applaud you. I, I'm not sure how you guys, you and your therapist came to the conclusion about what you were doing, um, where your fears were concerned about being out in public spaces. But you had to be digging into stuff internally to do that. And that kind of ties back to what Tom was talking about. Although, uh, Tom, I think you tend to talk about it more and probably rightfully so. It's not so much digging into it. It's, it's seeing what's bubbling up and then kind of interacting with it. Am I reading that wrong? Um yeah, I think it is seeing what's bubbling up, but sometimes it's um, it's just the raw emotion that's there because of an event that's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, yeah. That's what you're saying. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, and you know, it's also just a feeling in the body. Um, it, it's amazing how much, you know, like let's say you get a, just a pain in the neck or you get a, um, you know, your, your knees really bothering you. It, all mm-hmm. of these things are, telling us something you know there they are energy moving in the body and you know i don't know if you've read louise hay has written a book about life uh, what's that book called i can't remember but anyway she, in it she lists how each part of the body has a message for us you know that it could, so when we have a pain in the neck you know she she goes so far as to extrapolate well a pain in the neck could mean that you're unwilling to to see in all directions, you know, you're, oh. you're unwilling to, <laughs> to like be able to, yeah, see in all directions. And a pain in your knee might mean that you're, you can't be flexible and moving forward. You know, mm. um, I know I sprained my ankle three times over a, a three year period. And I, when I look up what the ankle was about in her book, she says it's about the ability to want to move forward with your life too. And I was really experiencing that during those three years. I was feeling incredibly stuck and unable to move forward and kept spraining my ankle. So I'd be I'd be out of commission for six months each time. I couldn't dance, I couldn't go hiking. Um, and it it was showing me really clearly that wow, I've got a it's showing up in my body the the very thing that's going on in my consciousness is showing up in my body. The body seems to be the last place sometimes, but it's also sometimes the first place that things show up. So yeah. we can get really good at listening to our bodies. We can get really good at, at reading the signs of, of what, our, what our feelings inside of us are telling us about where we're at, and we can respond. So I think to me this whole podcast today, it, if I could sum it up, it's about how do you have – a relationship with what's going on in your head, with what's going on in your heart and what's going on in your gut, what's going on in your whole body, and and create more of a balance between it all to where, you know, we're, we're able to be as much listening to a sensation in our body or a feeling that's bubbling up inside of us as we are to thoughts we're having about, you know, our life. Because I know I, know I tend to, like, think 
about it more than I do just feel. And so I'm spending time every day now making sure that I not only meditate, but I'm also doing these guided meditations that are on MP3s that take me into my body so that I can feel what's going on. And mm-hmm. using being in our breath is a wonderful way to feel what's going on in our body. We just follow our breath, and the breath will literally guide us to what needs to be worked with, what needs to be addressed. If we're just being simple and being listening to our breath and being in that meditative state, Anyway, that was a mouthful. But <laughs> <laughs> you asked me a question. And I'm gonna... <laughs> You're like Joel in that sense. All I have to do is just say one thing, and he's gone for 30 minutes. And then I just kind of sit back and say, okay, well, I'll just wait it out. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he loves to hear himself talk. Well, he's got um, a lot to say. So you know, it's, it's not like it's wasted time. It's always good stuff coming out. It just makes my job really easy. It's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel so sorry for you when you're just doing all the talking, and I said, i got to help out. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I do all these shows every weekend, and uh, it's it's good to have co-hosts who jump right in because I just love that. It makes, it makes my job a whole lot easier. So thank you for that. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> it must – well, I was thinking today that if we brought this topic to you of how do you balance the head and the heart and the gut – in the body, I say, you must have so much to say because you're constantly listening to all your, all these co-hosts all week long, and you're doing this week after week after week. I would think you're becoming like this, like Socrates or somebody. You know, you're you're just like <laughs> becoming like Plato. You know, you you you're hearing everything and you're taking it all in. So you must be just becoming absorbing this wise. all the information. Yeah, yeah. he must be. Yeah. you must be becoming wise beyond beyond your years. Well, I'm not sure if I'm Socrates or if I'm more like the Library of Alexandria, because I'm I'm more like <laughs> absorbing all this stuff, necess- yeah. not necessarily being able to integrate it all. But <laughs> but uh, no, I think you're right. Um, I mean, I, I like to make the joke often that I'm the best coach person in America because I have all these life coaches that I do these podcasts with. Um, but it mm-hmm. it also is. It's a challenge for me because everybody, you know how this is. Everybody has their own way of expressing things, their own way of thinking of things. You guys pretty much all talk about the same stuff, but you come at it from completely different perspectives. And for me, that's mm-hmm. always the challenge, keeping up with the different perspectives and meeting them where they're at, meeting that perspective where that person's perspective is at. And and mm-hmm. that's it, it, it involves different wording. It involves different concepts. Um, the concepts and wording are often overlapping, but sometimes the wording can actually be different uh, in the sense that mm-hmm. it's the same words with different meanings associated with them. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, Cindy and I, Cindy Chavez and I have really been experiencing that uh, with our exploration of Neville Goddard. Um, not so much that I have any trouble with Cindy. Actually, Cindy and I, I, I have no problem understanding any of her words. Uh, but when we're looking at Neville Goddard, who is a great teacher, a lot of his wording just, I, I, I get thrown for a loop. Like, what on earth does yeah. that mean? Because so much of it is, is uh, scripturally based, and that's always a big turnoff for me anyway. So my brain starts to turn off yeah. as, soon, as soon as I start to hear the scriptures. And then Cindy has to remind me, no, wait a minute. He uses these words differently. It's a different meaning from what you're used to hearing a, a preacher talk about. Oh, yeah, okay. So go back and, and re, rehear it again and so forth. That's, that's the yeah. skill that you develop when you're doing a podcast like this. You learn to 
to decode. You put on your decoder ring with everybody you're talking to and saying, okay, mm-hmm. when, I'm, when I'm hearing the Tom message, what is the Tom message saying to me? When I'm hearing the Joel message, what's the Joel message saying to me? When I'm hearing the Alex message, what is the Alex message saying to me? And when you mm-hmm. do it in, in that perspective, in that context, so to speak, that's when you start to learn. That's when you become more than the mm-hmm. Library of Alexandria. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an ongoing process. I, I, I can't say that I have, I, I've made a lot of personal progress. I've certainly grown a lot. I've, <laughs> I, I've, I, I can say that the best example of how much I have grown is when I was in my teens and 20s and early 30s, I was one of the quietest people you've ever met. And here I am talking mm. and talking and talking and talking. That shows how much growth I've gone through over the years. And a lot of that is due to what's right. happened in the last few years with the podcast. Um, mm. So so there's a, a direct piece of evidence you can look at. But a lot of it is just internal. A lot of it is just, and, and I'm still sorting it out. You know, you, mm-hmm. you guys all give me this this input and I'm sorting it out. And, and I think that's what happens with our listeners. I think that's why the podcast is gaining listenership. Because there's so much cool information coming it almost comes so fast you have to take time to process it and then all of a sudden there's more information coming and you can get it. It's almost like having Asperger's. It's got all this, this stuff coming in and you're trying to filter it. Like, wait, wait, slow down. I can't handle all this. overload. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that's kind of what you yeah, go through. So. But that's the beauty of, to me, the beauty of the human mind is that it can, it can handle all these concepts, you know, this mm-hmm. multitude of, of input and then it can actually turn it then around and and give output also and i i would love to more and more just understand how that works with the gut how that works with the heart how that works with the body and the mind it's like it's one organism and the beauty of it is that you know sometimes the body is thought of as like the thing that just carries around the sense of i-ness you know mm-hmm. this is from here on up is the sense of I, but from here on down is the meal that carries the, the I, you know, it's like, <laughs> and, and I think it's, it's time to really integrate the whole thing and see it as this magnificent organism that all of it is a learning, teaching, um, experiential organism. Mm-hmm. And, and I like that, 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 that's what, that's what we're doing, you know, and I like, like the fact that Abraham always says words don't teach. You know, direct experience is the only thing that really teaches. So, boy, is that true? I mean, even with all the stuff that I learn, I, I continue to be amazed how I trip over the same stuff over and over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, we'll talk repeatedly in a variety of different ways. With I'll do this with different co-hosts on the show. We'll talk about how important it is to not go into the negative about somebody, to hold them in the most positive light, and so forth, and 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 to just you know. Send as much love as you can and that kind of thing. And then I'll go back to my regular life and I'll find myself doing the diametric opposite of that. And I'll say, what are yeah. you doing, Walt? <laughs> what on earth are you doing? You're talking about this every single day and you're not putting it to practice? What are you doing? <laughs> so, yeah. And that sort of comes back to Alex's point. It's, it's Sometimes it's about trauma that's, that's just never been processed and we go back to the same routine because our feeling body is programmed in that direction and right. no matter how hard we think otherwise we end up acting a certain way 
That's very true. Mm-hmm. Well, I yeah. think we're down to our last minute here. We are, and I haven't got the messages, and so I'll say them really briefly. If you're not a subscriber, what are you doing? Subscribe. Come on. Join the party. we got a lot of people here, and they're, they're, they're growing in numbers every day, and you get so much benefit out of listening to all the episodes every week. And once you're a subscriber, please do share the fact that you're doing so on social media because that's how other people find out about it, and that's the short version. Tom, how does somebody reach out to you in case they need a little personal help because you're a life coach and you're good at it, so how do they reach you? They can go to my website, which is urjoy.com, and they can sign up for a free half-hour coaching there with me. All right. And, Alex, uh, I know you've been working on stuff. Are, do you have any events coming up that are of interest to people, or are you just still the homebody for a while, or what's going on? Still the homebody, but my uh, podcast just got picked up on Spotify, so I'm excited. Whoa. All yeah. right. Congratulations. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. So we can look forward to more of that, more good stuff from you coming in through Spotify. That's great. All right. Well, you guys have a great weekend. We'll be talking next week to, yeah, to you both too. of you. All right. And we will see you all listeners as well next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.